Hello, everyone, and welcome along to our final episode of Beyond the Grid Revisited. I'm Tom Clarkson, and I'm back with another classic conversation from the Beyond the Grid back catalogue ahead of the return of a brand new series of the podcast on March the 17th. This week, we're looking back on a conversation that was extremely popular when we first released it two years ago in March 2019. It's fair to say it was the first time many of you had heard this particular gentleman speak at length about his life, family and career, and in such an engaging way as well. I'm talking, of course, about the Iceman, Kimi Raikkonen. At the time of recording, Kimi was just about to enter his first season of Formula One with Alfa Romeo since leaving Ferrari. And in doing so, he was rejoining the team who in their Sauber guise had given him his Formula One debut in 2001. It's fair to say that Kimi was looking a lot more relaxed and happy as we spoke at winter testing in Barcelona than he had done in a while. He was happy to shoot the breeze about everything from his party boy past to the joys of being a family man. Oh, and he gave us a very memorable introduction as well, but you'll hear more on that in a minute. Did I think that two years later, Kimi Raikkonen would be preparing for another go on the F1 merry-go-round? Possibly not. Although, as you'll hear, one thing that has never been in doubt is his passion for racing. So whether this is your first time listening or you're revisiting with me, sit back and enjoy my feature-length conversation with 2007 world champion Kimi Raikkonen, as recorded back in 2019. Can you just say, hi, I'm Kimi Raikkonen, <laughs> and you're listening to Beyond the Grid. Hi, I'm Kimi Raikkonen, you're listening Beyond the Grid, correct? Can you do it one more time? What is it? Beyond, Beyond the Grid. Hi, the grid. I'm Kimi Raikkonen, and you're listening to Beyond the Grid. Hi, I'm Kimi Raikkonen, and you're listening to, listening to Beyond the Grid. You're listening to your podcast. Let's put it this way. Do you mind just doing it uh, once more? Hi, I'm Kimi Raikkonen, and you're listening to podcast. <laughs> Now, Kimmy, it's great to have you on Beyond the Grid. Um, we're sat here, Barcelona testing in the Sauber, Alfa Romeo racing motorhome, where it all began for you back in 2001. Are you getting in the this? the motorhome. Not the motorhome. <laughs> yeah. That's changed. Are you getting this strange sense of deja vu? No, not really. Obviously, there's some people that um, was in 2001 when I started and... Uh, some people that I worked with in other teams before, um, the factory is um, still in the same place. It's bigger than it was when I was there in, uh, some years ago. Uh, but yeah, it's you st still feel the same, uh, especially when you're in Hinville at the factory. So you know, it's just got a bit bigger, and uh, you know, everything has changed. But uh, yeah, good feeling. How have you changed in the intervening eighteen years? <laughs> um, I don't feel that I had changed so much as I got older. Um, I, has much, I have much more experience than I had uh, in 2001. Obviously, it was, um, you know, I did only 20-odd races uh, in, in cars before, and uh, it was completely different when I came to F1. So, you know, I was kind of given the car and just, go uh, do your do your do your job and uh, yeah it was all new and obviously now it's a lot different story when 
when I come to the new team to me, obviously I've been in, in Sauber and I was Alfa Romeo racing, so it's much easier to let's say the transition from from uh, coming to the new place. Obviously things are different than in in other teams that I've been, but uh, yeah, that's normal and it's been uh, let's say a smooth uh, transition. When you look back at 2001. Do you just think how ridiculously unprepared you were, or or do you actually look back and go, no, I, I was when you finished sixth <laughs> in your first race for goodness sake? Um, yeah, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, I didn't know anything else at that point, so you know, that's what you get. I think uh, at least we had uh, we were free to do more testing, so we had I don't know how many days we did testing, but obviously that was a different than okay we have now testing eight days four days each so i'm sure we did more on that time um but yeah what else can you you know you don't really feel that you are prepared or unprepared is something that you have to get on with it and uh, it all worked out well so yeah if, if it would be uh, would have gone badly then obviously you probably think afterwards oh maybe should have done something differently but uh yeah, this is how it how it is now. Obviously, now it's a bit easier to to come and do your know, things because you know much more and you're used to different things. So. How important are the winter months for you now? Does does Formula One take more or less out of you as you get older? Um, do you need uh, that break? Yeah, for sure. I always need it. So <laughs> <laughs> that hasn't changed. So. Uh, I think you need to have otherwise, you know, if you all the time. I think the big difference is that the testing is very limited now. So in many ways it's much easier because in the past we, we did lots of testing before uh, before first race and then between all the races and it was only only basically driving it in race or testing. So that was, uh, we've been thinking now how 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 much less we are in the, in the racetracks is much better. So, yeah, but there's more races now. Yeah, but it's, you still um, think you're at home more. Yeah, yeah, I think. But you know, yeah, races. But then, yeah, we need to go away. But the driving part is much less. So, well, what about the parenting thing? Do you, when you've got your four year four year old Robin tugging at your trouser leg, saying? Dad, where are you going? How hard do you find It's that? not any more him. It's more the little girl is starting to get to that age. That uh, yeah, it's. But how? I mean, I'm happening. a parent as well. How how hard do you find that? Constantly. Yeah, it's for sure. It's not nice. Uh, you know, you feel quite guilty on those moments, but uh, obviously it's the age, and then they start understanding, and then uh, then they are more fine with it. Obviously, it's still not ideal, but this is how life is, and. And like most of the people, at least they do their jobs and everybody's working and it's it's kind of normal in, if you take a big picture. So it's not always nice, but, uh, yeah, you know, you figure it out. And like, like us, we get used to new things and different schedules and stuff. And it's the same with the, with the kids. Uh, so. And the fact that the Sauber... Alfa Romeo factory is is close to home. I guess does that, how does that make your life easier? Well, for sure, it's much easier in the way that when I when I'm go to the factory, I can drive half an hour. Uh, you know, I, I, I do my stuff there and then drive back. And before it's uh, whichever, although the teams I had to fly uh, 
one way or another. So that's a nine to five job you've got now. <laughs> Ten to three. <laughs> Ten to three. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, no, but yeah, it's but in that way it's much easier, you know. I, sometimes I, I have some small things to do there. I go and I go with the son. We've been the whole family, so yeah, you it, take Robin with you to the factory. Yeah, we we spend there, so it's easy. Uh, is he showing any signs of being a petrol head like his dad? Um, yeah, I think. But um, in fact, you, he's asking about go kart, but we haven't taken him yet. So why maybe not? this summer. Are you going to start? Yeah, I'm a bit worried if, once we take it first time that it's all over. But the um, motocross is into is is done last uh, few summers. So what, just sort of round the garden or? No, um, on the track, so on the on the roads. Uh, I'm getting this home, amazing vision of Robin Riken and jumping, mm. jumping. Yeah, not yet. Like I, I tuned the throttle, that is not that. It's only a little bit open, otherwise we have some accidents. So, serious question though: Do you think you will go karting with? The, ch- the kids and and if they showed an interest would you support them and do it all again as a dad um uh, for sure i will support them whatever they you know if it's raising if it's uh some whatever they got interesting uh, they, they get interested but um yeah i don't know i think i remember when i was young and you know one one day i was excited about Maybe hockey, and the next day on something completely different. So, I guess they figure it out on some point what they're interested. But yeah, Kimmy, how do you gauge how keen they are? Because when you started, you and your brother, you you were a mechanic, and you really, really had to want it because there was no family money to push you through. Obviously, there's a bit of cash in the bank now. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, how? So it's much easier in a way for, for, for Robin than it was for you. So how at what point are you going to gauge, how do you gauge how much he wants it and how much? I have no idea. We'll just need to figure it out when, when we come to that point. I don't think there's any book you take and oh, do this. And if this is what happens, then do this. It's only, you know, we need to figure it out and, you know, see what happens and uh, I don't I have no stress about it because I don't plan anything anyhow so I'm sure it will all work itself out and uh, you know I will like I said I will support whatever it will be for Robin and Rihanna sport or something whatever they're interested so that's an interesting point you raise you say you you don't plan things no I don't want to know even but I mean, I, I found out this uh, this thing uh, when I came here today. So. Well, I'm not talking on a sort of uh, micro level like no. this. I'm talking about sort of big. Dis- you, you've raced in 291 Grand Prix. Okay? Yeah, I don't know. But I mean, Kimmy, it's a long career. You have a lot of respect in the paddock. You're loved by fans around the world, and yet there's been no plan. Is that? Yeah, I don't have plan. Obviously, I know that I have a contract for two years, and but I have absolutely zero plan after that. Or, you know, just uh, see what happens. Yeah, I don't see why. You know, so many things can change over those two years. That you know, hopefully we all stay healthy, and you know, that's the main point. But uh, you never know. I, I don't plan. I don't plan. I don't need. To, I don't want to know 
when I'm home, when I need to go somebody. My wife often tells me what time flying or something, and it's much easier. So, Kimi, Mintu, um, mother of your children, your wife, who wears the trousers at home? You or her? Who's the boss? I guess we are both bosses. <laughs> I mean, I don't... I, uh, I wasn't literally asking yeah, who wears trousers. Yeah, yeah it's... Uh, <laughs> It's. Uh, I don't think that we, you know, we deal with everything together, and I think that's the only right way. There cannot be one that dictates. Otherwise, it will never work for for long. Did you know immediately when you met her? Um, I read your book recently, and you talk about when you met in the summer of 2013 or got together in the summer of 2013 was it one of those wow moments where you just knew immediately or was it was it been a was it a bit of a slow burn um hard to say obviously we seem to enjoy our it's um our companies together and uh, but yeah there was a lot of happening at that time so obviously yeah, we saw each other and then i guess in some way it had to be like feeling that oh yeah it's it's fun otherwise we would never see each other again so but it's it's after which is quite easy to say yeah yeah, yeah it was the you know love in the first sight but uh but um i think uh, it worked out well for both of us so yeah, we're uh, happy and uh, and do you think love. she will help prolong your formula one career because the sort of stability at home you leaving the kids knowing they're going to be okay and yeah i think for me for sure it's easier to you know to go when you you know they're there with the mom and obviously she's away sometimes but uh, it's much i don't need to worry that everything is home home uh, well in at home so in that way it's much you know uh, you don't when you don't need to worry on that when you're away it's it's easy and obviously yeah, uh, everything is smooth sailing, so that's uh, for sure. Well, how did I say when it's a happy wife, happy life? So, story, I think it's, uh, it's one way, uh, it's a true story. I think it is. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about racing now? Um, when in your career have you been happiest? When I'm at home. <laughs> uh, no, um, obviously it's not always all fun and, you know, uh, like any job, I think you have a good days, you have bad days. We all have in personal life, you wake up some mornings and it just feels everything is wrong and it's going to be a long day. But uh, yeah, I enjoy my racing and obviously when the results are better than worse it's everybody's more happy in any team so um i don't know i'm i've never really looked that way that oh i'm more happy on those times than those i think generally i wouldn't be here if i wouldn't enjoy the whole thing obviously there is a lot lot of stuff in in f1 when you we want to race but there's a lot of other things comes apart from the racing, so that's not always the funny thing. Kimmy, if we reflect on the McLaren years, for mm. example, do you look back and think what an amazing opportunity the team gave you to come from Sauber and start winning races? Or do you reflect on those years as missed opportunities because with better reliability, you might have won the World Championship in 2003, 2005? How, how, what's your take on it? 
Um, yeah, it's easy to say afterwards that oh yeah, the engine here, or this and that there. But I think that's how it goes. You know, this is how they end up to be, and I don't really feel that oh, I'm I missed one or two championships. It's uh, we we gave a good shot, and then we failed for whatever reason, but we never got it. And uh, but I still have a good memories. You know, it's um, I don't think my life would be any different if I had one the championship there uh, and it's now probably spreading out <laughs> without it then I, maybe I wouldn't be here anyhow so um, yeah it was a great time obviously it, it happened quickly because I started with Sauber and I had I think three year deal with them so I ended up going McLaren so it was a nice transition so I had a good 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 time here there and I learned a lot there so who steered you in that direction was it Mika Hakkinen who you replaced or was it your management team of Steve and um, David yeah Roberts? for sure it was them more I mean Steve and David yeah obviously I don't know where the first contact really came uh we spent some time with Mika at that time and obviously when he was retiring I guess maybe he talked to them and then Ron talked to the managers and I don't know exactly how it all started but uh, yeah it was uh, for sure my managers that, and the biggest work uh, for me from go-kart to get to the racing cars otherwise I would never been in the race cars in the first place and then arranging the F1 test with Sauber now, am I right in thinking that it was Ron who coined the Iceman? Yeah, that's... Can you... Came up. I, I don't know where, but that's what it came up and he said, oh, this would fit you well or something. And I said, okay, no problem. And that's how it started. But actually, it's, it's been good, so... But it was, it's been him, really so good. Maybe I always joked that maybe he looked a lot of Top Gun or the movie, but uh, yeah, it's... It I well. think, Kimmy. So I thanks think, to him. Thank you to Ron. Yeah, it's it's a it's it's a great nickname. But I think it was after Japan, oh five, when you won from seventeenth on the grid. I no, th- no, no. Was no, it before no. that? Yeah, because I think I had already on my helmet in the first year in McLaren. I had an ice mastic like. Uh, God, so you made an Im- immediate impression as an ice man. Then, if you were able to put mm, it, I on. think it was in uh, two thousand two already. I'm pretty sure. Wow. So then. From McLaren, we go to Ferrari. When did that? When did the the taste of Ferrari first come to you? When did you want to start? Did you always want to be a Ferrari driver, or I didn't really have that I want to be this or that. It's just obviously all things turned that way. Um, I don't. Know. I think I signed the contract in two thousand five. So quite advanced, advanced before I yeah. went there. But you uh, kept that quiet. I'm surprised it stayed <laughs> yeah. that quiet for yeah. often on there. You know, I think you yeah. can read on the news more stuff than you get to yeah. hear from the factory. But uh, um, yeah, um, it just happened to that. I think they contacted and you know, it took a while, and then. That's what uh, how it turned out. So it wasn't like oh, I want to desperately go here or there. It's just uh, you know the next opportunity, and that happened to be Ferrari. It sort of kind of takes us back to not planning things, doesn't it? And then of course, yeah, I don't don't, didn't have I didn't have planned. Oh, we're not going to go to McLaren. It just happened. It's a bit same in uh, with Ferrari thing. And uh, well, 
if you had planned your championship campaign in 2007, I'm not sure you would have planned it the way it happened. I would probably plan it a bit more. Easier, <laughs> yes. so. I mean, what were you? You were seven points behind, I think, coming yeah. into the last race. Yeah, I don't. It was a crazy, crazy yeah, year. Obviously, the points were different, so I think, yeah, it was. I think we were quite on the back foot in quite a while. We had some. I think DNF here and uh, some other stuff, and I had a bit hard time after the first race. Looked very good, but I knew I not really. Things were still. We need to sort out. It was quite a lot different than what I'm used to in McLaren. So, so in that way, yeah, it all worked out well in the end. But yeah, there was some difficult time. How how did winning the title change your life? Did it really change my life at all? Obviously, I think it's more how people looked you or you know that's probably what is the biggest change the life's you know it's probably got more hectic in in in, in many ways but uh, no not really the life itself doesn't change in my view at least sorry to go back to your book but mm. to go back to the book you there very much appear to be two sides of Kimi Raikkonen mm. there's the serious racing driver who comes into the paddock gets the job done and then you sound like a right laugh away from the track but we don't see that side of it when we see you at the track so why the conscious decision do, do those two sides of you ever interact as you get older are you are we seeing a bit of both at the track or i don't think so i mean i think in person i think everybody is different from work to home maybe i'm wrong i am i'm pretty sure of that but uh Obviously, it's, um, here is more working and getting things uh, things right, and I don't, you know, I never felt that it's like the place to uh, that is the most funniest place always. We yes, in 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 the teams, but the rest uh, you almost like you don't want to be involved too much in other stuff because it's all reporters and writing things and. They always try to find crazy stories and making big story out of nothing. So. But Kimmy, have you been burnt by a journalist? Is that a sort of a lack of trust of the media, or have you had bad experiences in the past? Or? Can you have a good experience with a journalist? <laughs> well, hey, I hope you're not <laughs> hating this. I mean, but I mean, like I already started that I'm forced to be here. Yeah, think, well, <laughs> I, for someone who's forced to be here, I hope it's not too bad. But I mean, do you? Is it a bad experience that's triggered that, or is it just no, the Kimi? No, but it's not why I'm here. You know, it's the reason why I'm here is racing, and and yes, like I said earlier, there's a lot of other things involved uh, on that. Unfortunately, it's not just the racing, but uh, that's always been part of F1 and always going to be. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I just have no interest to get involved with the, those things. I, I wouldn't say that I'm someone burned though. Miss uh, said or something on there. Obviously, there's things that are sometimes not true, sometimes they are, mm. but uh, yeah. Um, but you still love racing and driving Formula One cars, and yeah, that's I what enjoy, keeps you I wouldn't back. be here today. But can you t- put a little bit more flesh mm. on the bone? What is it? The, tell me about the pleasure it gives you driving a car when you pull out of the pit lane and you're in your own little world in the cockpit can you just explain why that is so special I guess I enjoy the speed I don't know never really think it too much why or 
wise long time and I enjoy racing I think obviously testing is great with the new cars everybody's excited and it's nice to always see how the cars are but let's say I'm I'm happy that there's only like eight days in the end because after a while we're going around the same same circuit forever always so it's it's the main thing is the racing and going against each other and try to try to do everything as well as you can and you know it's painful sometimes when you do mistakes or you don't get exactly what you want but uh, I guess that challenge is also the one that uh, is enjoyable in the end and, uh, you know. so it's the wheel to wheel racing as much as the physical pleasure of driving the car yeah I guess and is it is it a a fear of failure or is it a the lure of success that keeps well, you going? I don't, I don't fear of failure, you know. I think if you ask many, they probably said I failed more than more than enough, but I don't care, you know. I do it because I enjoy and I, I have no fear of... If it goes bad, it goes bad. It doesn't change my life, you know. Once I walk out of the paddock, my life is still the same. So. So, so, Kimi, go back to your career... What did you miss about Formula One when the Ferrari thing came to a premature end at the racing. end of 2009? Racing. It was the racing. Oh, not, not beginning, nothing. Absolutely nothing. I was very happy to go, you know. Uh, all, had I'm, I'm sure I could have signed contract, but it made no sense to me and I had absolutely zero interest to be here. So, so uh, end of 2009, yeah. you were fed up with Formula One. Is that, what, is that what you're to saying? Go. Yeah, I was very happy to go. With all the um, politics and nonsense and everything, and obviously I had a contract and they paid me out of it, but uh, I could have signed another contract on a different teams, but uh, I had no interest, so uh, well, I was very happy to go. Well, there's some offers on the table for, yeah. for 2010, yeah. but you wanted to go. Yeah, and it made no sense because obviously there's a certain amount of they had to pay, and, and you know, mm. not that's stupid that I'm gonna sign a contract for less and then it's a bit complicated thing but nevertheless uh, I was happy to go you know I was mm. enough and uh, mm. I'm very happy that it came to end because otherwise I wouldn't be here today and uh, well, can you just talk to us about those two years so you go rallying yeah um full of Robert Kubica obviously I did rally in already in 2009 out of interest so but, during the year but but Kubica said that he went rallying because he loved it, mm. but also he said he felt it made him a better driver. Mm. Can yeah, you, can you relate believe, to that? I believe because when I was doing in 2009 the rallies, and uh, um, obviously there's the teams are always a lot against things that you shouldn't do or the say dangerous stuff, but. Uh, I don't feel that it's any more dangerous than in here. Uh, plus, I think it's helpful because it's for sure it's teaching you different things on driving. And the one thing that is very helpful is that you have to put so much effort to not just driving, but concentrating on notes, listening them right, and then driving. That keeps you, it needs to be much more sharper there because when you don't listen right you you know it, there's not all you need to be very lucky when you don't hit something when you when you miss the corner a little bit or the braking by a few meters so i think that teaches you a lot a lot of things and it's it's helpful for f1 and uh, and then we saw you do a bit of nascar while you're away as yeah. well 
NASCAR truck racing was that yeah it? and uh, nationwide and how did you get on on the, the ovals? plan was to do a cup I did the one test on a, on a road circuit but then unfortunately the people that I dealt uh, the money was somehow a bit slow to come so I said forget it and I, I came but came was back. was it that experience on that road course that suddenly relit the fire not road course an oval I, it was more because obviously in a rally you don't race against anybody you race against uh, time basically yes you add everything on the first two whatever they are but it's not race closely against uh, against mm. each other mm. so in in NASCAR it is and obviously it doesn't matter which position you are there it's you always found one or two or more mm. guys to race and mm. and um, then I noticed that oh, it's good fun again you know racing closely and uh, pushing each other a bit and uh, so then I thought, oh, maybe I am, maybe I'm be missing racing, and then uh, I thought, okay, maybe I should do more. And then I was thinking that because my plan was to do more NASCAR races, the cup races, like six of them or something. But so that didn't obviously worked out in the end. And uh, then uh, I was thinking, oh, if I want to do racing, then you know if you want to do racing maybe you should do racing in F1 because it's obviously the at least said highest levels of uh, so what of you then racing and you gave the orders to Steve and so to I called Steve and said okay uh, this is uh, this is the idea and do your work so because uh, he was already a year before I got some offer from uh, all that we were called and asked if I want to Racing F1 and uh, from Lotus no. was that the yeah. yeah and I said no thanks and Steve asked for that and Steve don't ask anymore and uh, then uh, obviously then I called to him and I said can you look into it and then uh, it all started from there so obviously it was first with Williams and then uh, and Domino Lotus well it was clearly a good car but Kimmy I've got to ask you about two week period mm. between. The Bahrain Grand Prix and the Spanish Grand Prix in 2013. I think Sammy was there. Probably Sammy started the whole thing. <laughs> so, so that's Sammy in the background. Who's how, how do we describe Sammy as a um, friend? Friend, but I mean, Sammy yeah. has been with you since you were 16. You were his mechanic. Yeah. When he was karting, you obviously yeah. decided you were going to be a better driver, and he was a better, better mechanic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was doing some. But um, but Kemi, there was a there was a pretty intense two week period. You finished second in the Bahrain mm. Grand Prix in 2013. You then finished second in the Spanish Grand Prix two weeks later, maybe three weeks later. But um, quite a lot of partying went on. Yeah, but that's normal. You know, Is that me, normal? Yeah, it's very normal. And I. I Maybe it's not in a book, everything, but for sure on the the whole summer was more or less, uh, you know, uh, racing and partying and. But it's you know, it's it's nothing. It's nothing new. Uh, So I'm. So for me, it's normal. Outside, it might look a bit uh, weird, but for me, in the past, it's very normal story. So. But Kimmy, how how does you know, when you go and do a 16-day binge, mm. which is what you did between... 
I would still have a hangover now. Yeah, but trust me, when, <laughs> once you do it, it doesn't feel that long. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> but can, how? How? Uh, so, uh, according to what I read, uh, you stopped boozing. I think on the Wednesday before Barcelona. Yeah, yeah, so Obviously, yeah, yeah. Thursday morning, maybe. No, no, no. It was Tuesday, Wednesday. Slow down. Only how? How do you? Food do to get back in the shape. But how can we do? <laughs> how does the body cope with those extremes? You don't, so, so, what I just said that when you give, when you do a lot of practicing, it's it's much easier. And trust me, if I would do it now, it wouldn't be the same anymore. So, because but it, I don't know, I, you know, you get used to things and uh, like any anything, unfortunately. So, um, no, no issue. A little bit. I always choked in the past, and, and as long as you have more drinking days than hangover days, you're all fine. So. For sure, on that point, uh, the, the numbers were right. So, but you, you don't think has it in any way had a negative impact on your career? Absolutely not. Do you actually think it's made <laughs> you? <laughs> do you think it's made you a better driver somehow? I because always think, and it, it, obviously it's, it's been a joke often. But actually, I think it's more true than joke that I often been driving better being doing all whatever I want between the races than if I'm just not having fun and <laughs> and drinks and stuff. So I honestly think there's all, all, like 2013, it started with the win and there's definitely not just sitting at home <laughs> before. So, you know, it, there's too many proven theories on this story that it, it might work better when you have been more fun than well, you. I have to say it, 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 you want to maybe you wanna... you're more I always thought that you're, you're more relaxed and you need to put more effort and concentration in it because you're a bit like uh, unsure so uh, and then the end result comes better because you put uh, you know, it might be it's a theory yeah so Kimmy what about You've done a lot of your partying with with a small group of friends. Mm. Sammy Visa, who we've just talked yeah. about. Stephen. Only because of him. He starts always. <laughs> but then, you know, you've you've got a very you've always had a very small entourage, haven't you? So there's been entourage. Sammy. It's my it, friend. I call them friends. Well no, okay, friends, yeah. but they but they've also Sounds had, wrong when you say it like but they've sort of done jobs for you at the same time. Mark Arnold has been there for you as your, your physio, your, I don't know how we describe mm. him, Stephen Dave Robertson, but that is it. And they mm. have been with you throughout. How important is loyalty to yeah, you? Yeah, for sure it is. I think uh, in anybody's life or the worst, it's, you know, it, it just doesn't run smoothly if there's not that. And when the doubts comes, then obviously it's kind of never ending story. So, so then let's just go back to the, the, the driving you you, you I don't know you said drinking no drinking no. <laughs> later no. <laughs> no, we, we've done drinking yeah. haven't we I don't know yeah. we only drink water uh, yeah. In this day. yeah but you then um, how surprised were you to get the call from Ferrari after what had happened first time around when they where they gave you the act um, in many ways not not really because I think when we end end the relationship in a way uh it all ended up in pretty smooth way in the end, even whatever it said and written, but there was never really much bad bad things to say or anything else. So, yeah, I wasn't really surprised. And uh, I guess uh, winning the championship with them also was a kind of 
good thing in there, and uh, yeah, it's uh, not really. They could build a story around that, couldn't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also it. You know, I think yeah, it all end up, but it it was always in a good way. And so then, of course, we've completed the circle by coming back here. Um, let's talk teammates quickly. Best teammate you've had in Formula One? Yeah, I had money, money. David was very good. David Coulthard? I wasn't the first one. I was first with Nick and uh, then with David. And uh, What did you learn off David? Hard to say, really. I think... Um, we, um, I, I, I thought we had very good uh, working relationship, and also it was really he's a really nice guy and normal guy in many ways. So um, I enjoyed that a lot, and obviously I had quite a few. I did McLaren a few more. So you had Montoya. Yeah, and then uh, Alex was there. Alex first. Yeah, one race. Uh, Two thousand five. Yeah. Yeah. So I had quite a few fill-ins on some of the teams. Yeah. So. It's hard to say. Obviously, with Seb, I'm probably most more more close than with anybody else. So, what is it about Seb that sees that you like and gravitate towards? It's very similar feeling. I think way of thinking stuff, and uh, obviously it's German. But apart from that, is uh, you know nothing wrong with Germans. No, no I'm not saying that. But uh, yeah, it's uh, we always get along well. I think when he started. Um, yeah, I, I talked to him when he was very young, and it all started from there. So, yeah, I, I don't think I have bad teammates. Uh, some with some people is a bit more tricky than others, but it's always worked out well. Now, of your twenty-one wins, which is the one that stands out? If there's one, I mean, I the look of sheer delight on your face in Austin last year made me think that that one was very special. Is that right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, it took a bit longer than hopefully uh, we probably expected, but um, yeah, it was it was nice. Can we but can we uh, pick out one that stands out? I keep banging on. I'm sorry, I keep banging on about it, but yeah. Japan 2005 was spectacular. Yeah, it was good. If you purely take the racing side, it was very very good. But then, uh, um, I don't know. The Lotus, I think the Australia win was great. Uh, I think the Ferrari 2009 in Spa was great because the car was definitely not fast, so that fast. But yeah, it's impossible to pick one that was better than others. Why are you so good at Spa? I don't know. But you, I mean, do you go? Do you arrive at Spa and have a sort of? different feeling no, about no, it. No, absolutely not. I don't <laughs> feel it any different. I, I like the place because it's very quiet in many ways and middle of the forest and it's more Kind of like remind you old, at home? Old. Does it remind you of home? It reminds me more like like it should be in my in my head at least. Like more old school. Like where It's a bit more like I'm used to when we started, you know. Like a lot of races were more Went in the middle of nowhere and traditional racetracks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe it reminds me of home. Or yeah, I, I like it there. But you like fast corners because you're good at Silverstone as well. I don't know if I like fast corners. In my head, I don't think I like fast corners, but maybe I do. I think the circuit in Spice is very nice and flowing. I think it was the best when it was the old uh, um, bus stop. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Why do you feel that? I think it was... More challenging? No, it was better corner, I think. 
Was there? There's more overtaking into they this one. Like three times at least now. I think there's more overtaking into this one now than there was in the traditional mm, one. Depends which which cars, which rules, you know. And, and where are you at on Eau Rouge? Do you feel that? Yeah, but it's not really corner for us. So, but so. and hence you enjoyed it back in the day when that was more of a corner as mm, well. Yeah, I think when, but it's not really been a corner when I've been in uh, in Sauber because the car couldn't really take it flat. So then, yeah, then it's quite uh, quite uh, interesting corner. Or in the wet when you try to push over, and now there are more tarmac, and if you get a bit sideways, you can get away with it. But uh, yeah, I think most of the cars been so good that uh, it's been quite easy. Sometimes in the race you get a bit. Kimi, one more topic I would love to discuss with you, and that there's a line in the book where you say even bad memories can be good ones. Mm. What do you mean by that? I think they can be. I think uh, over time they often turn out to be okay, and uh, you know they are probably teaching you a lot of things. So, what well, out of bad you try and get learn and yeah, turn for it sure into you can learn from from bad things uh, that's that's for sure maybe on a moment it's for sure not the great things but uh, yeah you now if you look after years it, i'm sure you found some good out of it i suppose is that what we call experience that is the experience that is kimi raikkonen and that you're now bringing to this team alfa romeo all those, all those bad experiences. Isn't it funny, actually, just, Kimmy, how... I don't think I have so many bad experiences in it was racing in, itself. I thought it was an interesting line yeah. in the book. I, 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 I can't remember, tell me if I'm wrong, but maybe it was in the context of your father's death in 2010, mm. I think. Yeah. You know, horrible experience to lose a parent, but maybe, I don't know, is there a... Is there, what sort of, is there a positive you can put on that somehow in terms of... I Memory. think in the big principle is never a positive thing. Obviously, it will happen at some point. Uh, we're all going to go away and, you know, somebody's going to miss us, more or less. So, uh, but, yeah, obviously, it doesn't feel probably the same anymore than it was that time. But you found a bit bit better, better uh, things out of it than those moments. When you lose a parent, which I, which I have mm. as well, I found that I no longer fear death in the way that I did before have, have you is, is that something you can relate to I don't think I never really f- I don't mm. think I don't remember that I'm really f- free of that you know I think it, hopefully it happens that fast that you have no, no time to think about it but uh, no I don't I think it just probably changes more how you deal with people and you know mm. how in the movies they always say that you should never you know uh, and then uh, in a bad way and then if something happens but uh, yeah for sure you'll learn something and do the dangers here play on your mind? <coughs> no I wouldn't be here if they would I think it's I don't think you could do your job 100% if you would be worried that something happens mm. and that hasn't changed since you've become a dad? no no, I haven't. There's a lot of stories that it will change your Why oh, don't they say sort of point three per child or something? Uh, no, somebody must have said it on years ago and then it only came a story. But no, I haven't noticed. Maybe it is some for somebody. Everybody's okay. different. Well, Kimmy, it's fantastic to talk to you. 
there's a bunch of fans out there who want to know can you be on the podium with this team this year I have no idea um, we, we can only do our maximum and then for sure in the first races we get some idea where everybody is and what is the difference is but uh, yeah, I think so far feels okay but what it's going to give us uh, time will tell the car is born well isn't that the expression yeah um, whichever the way you look it's it's it seems to be a decent decent car and obviously work to be done on as always any car it doesn't matter how good or bad it is there's always work to be done so but yeah it feels good well best of luck this year thanks for your time great to speak to thank you, you. <laughs> cheers coming So there you have it, my conversation with Kimmy from March 2019. And what a fun, eye-opening chat it was too. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, remember, we have loads of conversations for you in our back catalogue, more than 100 in fact. And we pride ourselves on many of them being evergreen time capsules into so many racing lives. We've covered every decade of the sport from Tony Brooks in the 50s to Jackie Stewart in the 60s, Jody Schechter in the 70s and much more besides. I'll be back on March the 17th with the first episode of season four. I really can't wait. And until then, keep your comments coming in. We love to hear from you. The hashtag is F1 Beyond the Grid and my handle is at Tom Clarkson F1. Beyond the Grid is produced by F1 in association with Audioboo. Until next time, keep it flat out.